Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the mental health one of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. I'm Andrew Jacobs. This episode is being released to coincide with World Mental Health Day on the 10th of October. We feel this is an essential subject to talk about since there's still a stigma associated with mental health issues. It's getting better, but we still have a long way to go. So, with this in mind, we have two fantastic guests to talk about it. Our first guest is Erica Farmer. Erica has over 20 years of learning development experience with some of the UK's best-known brands, such as LV, British Gas, Specsavers and Virgin. Erica's area of specialism is the future of work and skills, digital learning and challenging the quality of our education systems. Erica also shares lived experience with mental health and neurodivergence. Our next guest is Rachel Grant. Rachel is currently working as the project manager for online learning at the Mental Health Foundation, one of the UK's leading mental health charities, where she creates digital courses to empower, educate and inspire the nation to lead more mentally healthy lives. Rachel has experience in supporting people with a range of mental health needs and is passionate about breaking down the taboo that exists around mental health. We recorded this in August 2023. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Erica and Rachel talking about mental health. Hi, Erica. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks, Rachel. How's things with you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Um, just coming off the back of the long bank holiday weekend over here, aren't we? So, um, yeah, nice and nice and rested, refreshed, ready to get back back to work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could say the same. I was really hoping for some vitamin D, some sunshine and just like we've had a bit of a washout summer, haven't we? But um yeah, I just, uh, I enjoy time away, but I find like I get in my head a little bit sometimes. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, yeah, sometimes I'm just, <laughs> I want to get back to work, which is a bit of a weird thing to say, really, but it gives me the structure that I need for the day. So No, I, I totally understand that. I think for a lot of people, even me, when I have too much time off, actually, I get get quite bored. I kind of need something to be um, focusing on, something yeah. to be doing. So yeah. Um, yeah, pleased to come back to work. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, do you, do, you have, do you have kids? Do you live on your own? Do you? No, no kids. I live on my Same. own. Well, I live yeah. with my landlady. Yeah, oh, okay. so I think it's a bit of a different experience for people who do have kids. They're like, yeah. oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> I know. Cause I was not so say, much I def- of a relaxing weekend. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that as we were talking about it. I was thinking we both must... Uh, yeah, not not have kids or live on our own because I know my <laughs> friends have got kids who are like, oh my god, what are you talking about? Having too much time, basically, like, like, yeah, they're like, oh, I wish I could have a day to myself, you know. And it's the summer holidays as well, isn't it? So, um, mm. we're coming to the tail end of that, and people are kind of at their at their wits' end with mm-hmm. uh, childcare and everything. So, I think ready for the kids to go back to school as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think stress comes in many different guises, and I can imagine trying to entertain two or three kids with a washout summer is probably yeah. highly stressful in itself so absolutely yeah mm. I just did a bit of babysitting of my niece and that was that was quite enough oh, nice. <laughs> for me yeah you can give her back at the end of the day as exactly it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah so yeah. Erica tell me a bit about yourself then yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, so I, um, I, uh, I'm the business director for Quantum Rise. So I have been out of corporate employment now for about three or four years. Um, so I work with a business partner and we work with corporate learning and development clients. 
And do you know what? The stresses and straight, that sounds amazing, like working for yourself and like not having a boss and all that kind of stuff and getting out of corporate, which was definitely like a lot of my motivation. But I guess, you know, what comes with that is different challenges, isn't it? Like making sure you can pay your mortgage every month because nobody else isn't going to do it if you don't do it and all those kind of things. And I guess like this plays into the mental health um, subject that we're really talking about today. And it just whenever I talk like I think about mental health, I just think we've all got mental health, but everyone's got their own challenges themselves, haven't they? Whether it's the kids or the job or the business or whatever it might be. And I think sometimes you're just born with more challenges in that space. You know, I feel really ungrateful sometimes because I do work for myself and then we have great clients. I've got a great business partner. But like going back to your point about the bank holiday weekend, like Sunday, I just felt really down and I was just like really in my own head. And and I was like, God, you know, I've like got so much to be grateful for. Why am I feeling just so generally down and anxious? But that that's kind of mental health challenges in itself, isn't it? There's no logical reasoning for it it's just our perception of the world and how we feel about things from from moment to moment so yeah absolutely and you know what I think it's really common for people to kind of think that they don't have the right to feel rubbish and it's kind of like oh well someone else has got it worse than me or you know maybe I'm you know stressed about paying my mortgage but hey there's other people who don't have a mortgage because they're not on the property ladder or there's people who are homeless so who am I to complain but I mean the point is like we all we all have our own experience with mental health like you say and and our feelings are valid so yeah like don't don't feel like you have to invalidate those feelings yeah it's a good point it's hard and I think having a boss can be really challenging being a boss is really challenging Mm. um Mm. I think that's a really good point because we always compare ourselves to other people don't we and I always think you know Erica what have you got to be down in the dumps at and it's more it's, it's more than being down in the dumps we know that but like what have you you know or like I'll be catastrophizing about a silly little thing like a, cli- a client paying an invoice late but in my head I've suddenly gone to like oh my god the business is gonna, is gonna fold because I've got I haven't got the cash flow coming in and I'm not gonna pay my mortgage next month and, you know what I mean just because it's a massive big thing and you're like before you know it you've just invented this whole what if reality in your head and if you know anybody listening to this is has anxiety you know what that kind of tight chest barely kind of breathe heart palpitation like feels like I'm sure we've all had it at some point and it's and I just still struggle with the whole like validating your feelings and not feeling that it's like you know trying to put them to one side because you 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 should be grateful and you are better off than some people and all that so it's an interesting point that you've got on it yeah absolutely and and it's interesting as well that you're talking about kind of like the the physical bodily responses to anxiety and to stress because our mental health does affect our physical health and vice versa in a in a massive way you know you can't really separate the two and I'm the same like I I really struggle with my anxiety um and I I have all my life really since I was like a teenager um and it started off with you know regular sort of panic attacks and so on but in recent years I've started to feel like symptoms that I haven't felt before like with like muscle tension um and at genuine pain in my body um when I'm really stressed out that and it, and I think it's hard. I mean, obviously we're talking about women, uh, women in learning, but 
especially as a woman, like when you go to like your healthcare practitioner and you say I'm experiencing pain, it's quite hard to be taken seriously sometimes mm. when, when you say that sort of thing. And, and you know, it's all oh, that's a bit subjective. And do you think you have a low pain threshold and all of this? But um, it's, it's definitely true that there's, you know, the, the mind affects the body and, and vice versa. So true. It's like it's the hidden it, it, it kind of impalements, isn't it? It's the, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, it took me quite a lot, like, like it does for anybody with these kind of chronic Ill condi- illness conditions. It took me, I think, maybe five or six years to get my fibromyalgia diagnosis because people were like, oh, it's growing pains. Oh, it's stress. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. It's like, da, 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 da. you know, have some talking therapy. Oh, you know, kind of, oh, it was your parents' divorce, you know, and da, da, da. And, you know, it probably was all of those things all together. But eventually I was lucky enough. I had private health care and an employer and I just like referred myself to a rheumatologist. And she like, again, it's not really well recommended in this country, but in America, things like ME, CFS, fibromyalgia have certain tests and pain points and symptom checkers. And she diagnosed me with fibro. And I was like, so does that connect to the sleeplessness and the anxiety and the depression and she was like tick 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 you know so sometimes we talk about mental health but to your point it could be you know musculoskeletal I used to hold my stress in my jaw and my head and have massive stress headaches like if I was stressed at work or that kind of fear of your heart dropping into your stomach when you see your boss's name come up on the mobile and things like that I mean luckily I don't have that stuff now but I have to a degree transferred it onto other things and like fibromyalgia doesn't just just go away either so you know it's yeah just, absolutely mm, I think people take it for granted like on this hamster wheel don't they of just day to day to day to day and actually don't sit back and realize what's really going on for me sometimes it's interesting like you talking about your experience with with getting a diagnosis um I think it might be interesting to talk about that like when it comes to mental health as well like how do you feel about getting a diagnosis for your mental health do you think that's a helpful thing do you think that actually labels you and you know can be a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. I don't know like what, what are your thoughts on getting a diagnosis it's, it's generational I think it's probably a lot more accepted now I don't know what you think I think it's more accepted now compared to what it was I think people are a lot more open whether that's neurodivergent you know if you're kind of autistic ADHD anything on that kind of level or whether you know people a lot of people it feels like people are more open and willing to share their experiences with things like an anxiety attack and a panic attack and whereas when my mum was my age um and I've had depression and anxiety in the family my nan had it my mum had it you know I've got it um it was almost a bit taboo wasn't it so I think there's been massive changes, whether that's diagnosis yeah. through no, no, neurodivergence or diagnosis through mental health or a chronic condition. I think people are just, for whatever reason, whether that's the pandemic and the shift of like work-life balance or whatever's happened there, I do find most people are okay to talk about that in general, of probably my age and below, maybe, maybe a bit older than me. So I'm like 42 so kind of maybe mid 40s and below it feels like people are a bit more comfortable that millennial generation I don't know what do you think yeah um I mean I don't I don't actually have a a personal opinion about getting a diagnosis for your for your mental health I just think it's so it's so up to the individual Mm. like some people do find it really helpful and actually once they've got a name for it, it 
everything starts to click and then you understand yourself better and you understand what you're going through better and you've kind of developed this like common language to talk to other people about what you're going through and you can use a bit of a shorthand and and people understand Mm. you a lot better and I think also you know in the workplace if you want to get support sometimes it can be really beneficial to have that um diagnosis where you can like really objectively say look this is what I'm dealing with and I need Mm. a bit of help um and you can get you know those reasonable adjustments and everything but on the other hand you know for some people it is really detrimental and and having like a diagnosis of depression or anxiety or whatever it may be could actually um you know lead to them feeling really stigmatized and Mm. you know really isolated and just labeled Mm. you know and people might start to see them differently Mm. treat them differently um so it's it's a really tough choice you have to make I think about whether or not you you really want to get a diagnosis and and there is no right or wrong. It, it really, you've just got to kind of weigh it up for yourself, yeah. I think. And I guess how helpful your GP is. You know, if you've got a really good, I've mm. got a great GP and she's really super helpful. But like I used to have another GP and he was terrible and he just blamed, he was that typical J, GP, GP you could go in with a broken leg and he would say, it's because you're overweight. Right. You know, everything <laughs> was to do with your weight. And you hear women talk about that quite a lot. Like everything is blamed on their their weight whether it's menopause or depression or stress or this or that you know so I think part of it is the the, what the the quality of support you get from medical practitioners and making helping you to feel that it's okay to and that you like you said to being heard and treated and you know like yeah exactly like people fixating on things like smoking you know like you just need to give up smoking I'm not going to have a conversation about anything else until you give up smoking it's like the weight conversation. So, yeah, I've I've been lucky. And I guess as part of that, because of that, I'm happy asking, like, I go on and off things like sertraline, which is an antidepressant, and it's just a low dose. It just it just keeps the serotonin going around my brain a little bit before my body absorbs it. That's all it does. But it just keeps me lighter and happier for longer. And actually, just a small adjustment like that just makes, like, a huge difference to, to, to some people. And one thing I have noticed recently, so... Um, thinking about kind of ADHD diagnosis and stuff like that so I was diagnosed as hyperactive when I was six this was before things like ADD and ADHD like were really recognized and um, I'm thinking about going for like a proper formal diagnosis now as an adult but even when you speak to life insurance companies or critical illness insurance companies as soon as they start asking you questions about your illness um, it's it's very much kind of you know have you seen a psychologist and it's all it all starts to go down like this deep dark place you know and yeah yeah and you know what I think it's it's interesting when when people try to sort of diagnose you and and you get all this sort of like investigation going on and actually you mentioned it earlier when you were talking about you know speaking to a GP and they're saying oh is it your parents did you say your parents divorce or is it is it your Mm. depression is it is it this is it that and the truth is like we can't really pinpoint one single factor that that influences our mental health right it's it's a total mixture of partly our biology partly our environment partly you know our you know our experiences our life experiences um and I've been like thinking quite a lot recently about diet and mental health um and I read something that really resonated with me and it was saying like your diet isn't just what you eat 
we're talking about your diet in terms of like the content you consume as mm. well. Like, what are you watching? <laughs> what are you watching on TV? Like, what news channels are you going yeah. to? Like, you know, what what are, what are you digesting each day? What's going in? Um, and actually, like, I noticed there was there was a point in time where I was like, I was binge watching um, Orange Is the New uh-huh. Black, which is obviously like a really great show, but also like pretty hard hitting and like covers some really like emotional topics and I really like started to go into a bit of a low place during that time and like that was just one of the things that I realized actually like what I'm (laughs) what I'm taking in on a daily basis is not necessarily like helping me to be in a positive Mm. place um but yeah it's interesting like there's just so many different factors that that influence us and some can be really tiny and some can be yeah. really big yeah and like what what strategies do we have in place so when we start to realize like I'm watching too much content or I'm doom scrolling on my phone or I'm starting to get exactly, that tight yeah. feeling across my chest you know how do we recognize it in ourselves or help others to recognize it in us to start saying like your friends or your partner your family parents oh I'm starting to see your behavior shift a little bit are you okay because sometimes just a question like that is really powerful isn't it like if someone's acting slightly differently you know yeah and I think that's the that's the key as well it's about noticing when someone's acting a bit differently to their usual self so, you, you know, for someone, you might say, oh, like this person's acting. I mean, so let's let's take it back to the workplace. If, if there's someone at work who's actually being really quiet and not very talkative and not joining in discussions, you know, is that a cause for concern? Maybe, but it depends. Maybe that's their personality. Yeah. Maybe they're always like that, in which case that's fine. You know, if they're doing their work and it's still a valued member of the team. But if someone's usually like really outgoing, yeah. super gregarious, like social sec, and suddenly they come in and they're being really quiet and a bit withdrawn and not really participating, then yeah, that might be a sign that, you know, maybe something's going on and you need to have a bit of a check in. Yeah. And it's not about diagnosing um, that for them, is it? It's just asking the question, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? You know, do you need any support? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's something that I've been looking at um, in, in my work. So I, I work for the Mental Health Foundation um, on our online learning programs. And we've just put out um, a course on mental health and well-being in the modern workplace. And we've got like a module that's all about that. It's all about, you know, noticing changes in your colleagues and noticing and acting. Um, and I also think what's really powerful about that is that, you know, it, it's not just your manager who can do that anyone can do that you know whether they're in your team not in your team if, if there's someone you just see in like the break room or you know anyone at work can has that ability and has that power has that opportunity to to notice if something's um you know different and if you might need a little mm. bit of support yeah and it, like when you're in the moment whether you're wrapped up in work or whether you've got stuff going on outside of work or you know just it's a bit cliche but sometimes it does feel like this 42 different tabs open in your own head doesn't there and you're trying to juggle everything it's it's I, I don't know about you but like I when I'm pushing it too far I don't recognize that but my business partner Hayley will say to me are you okay you look tired you're talking about this in a certain way you've used a bit more of this language what's going on have you taken some time off and actually just by her saying Erica stop that makes me kind of go oh am I okay 
or is it that I've got 42 tabs open in my head and, and that's all right because that's how I deal with stuff or have I got two tabs open and there's something else going on for me that I need to address go, go back onto medication take some time out have a holiday chill out for a bit spend some time with friends whatever that might be so that kind of buddy yeah. system kind of I find really helps when it comes to mental health as well yeah it sounds like your business partner is like a really huge support Definitely. to you and, and I'm sure it goes you know it's vice versa you, you do the same for her and you're really lucky that you've got that relationship and that person that you can sort of lean on and and support each other in the workplace um I know you said that you know you, you run your own business essentially is it is that how it is it's like a team of yeah two? so it, it, yeah and because of that you are thinking about so many different things at the same time and it's again cliche kind of like spinning those plates and prioritizing getting stuff delivered sometimes over your own well-being because you have spent too much time in front of screens or like too much time with work or you haven't you know got up and gone for a wee for two hours something as silly as that but you know we get you get so engrossed with stuff sometimes and it's so easy just to park any feelings I remember working with a business psychologist when I was at LV and just like a simple physical check-in and check-out makes you sit back and kind of go actually how am I feeling how am I emotionally feeling how am I physically feeling you know because sometimes you just don't even recognize that stuff because you're on that hamster wheel again and just getting on with stuff couple that with the neurodivergence or other things you've got going on you can see how people burn themselves out quite quickly can't you yeah I think that that's quite um it's quite a nice thing that people do when, like when we have meetings at work for example at the beginning of each meeting we have like a bit of a check-in and a check-out um sometimes it's really silly or sometimes it's just kind of like on a scale of one to ten where are you today and I think that's really powerful it doesn't have to be a whole conversation or you don't have to book in let's talk about your well-being yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> send someone like yeah. an invite in their calendar it can just be a natural part of um every conversation and but I do, I do like doing that actually. Like I know that some people find it a bit, a bit cheesy or a little bit contrived, but I think the point is that it just makes it routine to talk about your mental health, you know, on a daily basis. And that's so healthy. Mm, yeah. Whatever that vehicle is that allows you to surface it. Like you said, check in, check out another little practical exercise, just somebody asking you that question, whatever it might be. It's just having that lever, isn't it, to have that conversation. And like, I'm super extrovert, if you haven't guessed already. So I do let it all hang out. And I, I'm actually really super grateful for that because I feel better after I've let it all hang out. It means I've talked about it and I've got it out. And, you know, I, I, if, if I'm on my own, I spend too much time in my own head. And then that's when you end up kind of catastrophizing and feeling anxious and you invent this world in your head. And I think a lot of people are maybe too scared to let it all hang out and talk about it or not having that person they can talk about it with or don't know how to talk about it. So a course and some instruction and stuff like that is, is valuable because it gives people just a bit of a framework and a structure to use. And you don't have to be able to articulate it in the right way or use the right words. That's not the point. The point sometimes is just sharing how you're feeling, isn't it? And like being okay with that as well. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's interesting as well because that it brings up that question of you know how much do you share at work mm. you know mm. a lot of people say these days we should we should be able to bring our whole self to work and like what does that 
what does that really mean? And mm. yes, it's really good to be vulnerable, but you know, there's sharing. Where, where's that line between sharing and oversharing? Like, where's that boundary in the workplace? Yeah. And if we all had the ultimate manager that we worked for, who totally kind of subscribed to vulnerability and compassionate leadership and all that great stuff, then yeah, I'm sure it would be great. I remember a manager saying to me once, Erica, you don't have to tell everybody how you're feeling all the time. <laughs> and she probably had the point. <laughs> but part of me was like, that's your problem. That's not my problem. That's you being uncomfortable about talking about things about the human condition, about being people, right? Like you said, whole self. People, some people are really uncomfortable with that. And I think it takes, obviously, now, you know, you are in like a, a leadership position. And I think it does take, <laughs> you know, leaders role modeling that authenticity and that openness for people to actually feel comfortable enough to open up. Because, you know, it's all about the context, isn't it? Maybe I, as an individual, am usually quite open about my mental health and, and I'm happy to share. But if I go to a workplace which doesn't feel like, you know, a very psychologically safe place to be myself and have that conversation, then, you know, I'm going to keep it to myself. And actually that might cause mm. unnecessary further suffering because like you said, sometimes just getting it off your chest or just being heard, just being able to express yourself can really help mm. um, and, mm. you know, lift your mood or stop you from spiraling or catastrophizing or, you know, going down a, a certain road in your mind. Mm. Hmm. yeah and it and it does kind of open up the wider conversation about you know women in the workplace whether that's menopause whether that's you know kind of uh, hormones whether that's um allyship with men um you know which is obviously an interesting quandary at the moment one you know we've got what's going on with Spanish football at the moment and consent and yeah. did he kiss her did, did, did she say yes did he, you know it's like it, it, there's a can of worms here it's not just mental health although mental health is affected by how you know women are treated in general as, and when you put a lens over it like hormones or menopause or mental health that's where you can almost start to hear the eyes roll a little bit from some people isn't it oh it's a woman's thing she's a woman you know why would she need to take time off because she's got period pains you know you you hear all of this stuff all the time but all of this plays into how we see ourselves and how we feel about ourselves which effectively is our mental health isn't it yeah. like how we deal with that and what's going on with our brain chemistry and you know so there's so many more pressures I think it's hard for women in the workplace to you know expose themselves be vulnerable open up sometimes because they're they're trying to fight against those stereotypes that women are overly emotional and you know all of those kind of things and they want to be taken seriously they want to be seen as leaders that they are um so sometimes women don't open up when it would actually be really beneficial to them mm. um but actually we see that with with men i think maybe even more you know men find it really hard to talk about their mental health in the workplace mm. Um, and, and in general, I think um, something like a third of the referrals to talking therapies are for men and, and two thirds are for women. So that that's quite a big indicator that, you know, women are more comfortable, more open to talking about their mental health. And I think for men, there is still that kind of like you know those gender stereotypes and and that stigma that you know I need to be strong I shouldn't be mm. opening up about this I need to keep this to myself because I need to provide and it just goes back to 
what we all know really that you know those kind of gender stereotypes they hurt everyone they hurt women mm. and they and they hurt men mm. Mm. gender politics and the expectation and and then the workplace amplifies that in itself doesn't it so but you know you do look at some of the best leaders or most inspirational people and they talk like people about people as people you know it's Mm -hmm. not workforce or human resources or you know god forbid numbers or or any of that stuff in the word employee or staff or whatever it's just like that you know people that we work with and you know I think we're getting towards a space where that's being a little bit normalized and recognizing also you know the work through people like Perry Timms where you know actually work should be an energizer for all of us and we go back to whether it's our family or our friends or whatever we do in our own personal time having been energized from the workplace not going into the workplace energized because we've been with our family there's at the end of the day our battery is completely dead should be the other way around shouldn't it so it kind of comes back to what you were saying at at the start of our conversation you know for some people being busy being at work doing something they're passionate about um being productive that's a real protective factor for their mental Mm -hmm. health um and I think some for some people they think you know if you're struggling with poor mental health okay you need some time out from the workplace You, you just need to go home and be by yourself and rest and actually no like for for most people they they want to work they want to be in the workplace mm-hmm. and that's actually really helpful for your mental health the structure I suppose and yeah focus absolutely and as long as you are dealing with the root cause of that as well and it's not just a superficial you know I'm just touching on this because it's I can start to feel the anxiety you know you've got to be dealing with the root cause as well isn't it yeah I think it's just it's just about tapping into all the protective factors that that you can and and yeah like I said work can be one of them you know sleep can be one of them Mm. good exercise good diet um connection with others is another really important Mm -hmm. one and it's I'm quite interested in the way that you know the world of work is changing so much and I mean even us doing this call having this conversation we're doing it remotely I'm quite interested in the impact of working remotely on Mm. on your mental health and you know what what is the impact of that is it good for us is it is it detrimental mm. um and again i think it it varies but it, it, there is something missing isn't there when you are working from home even when you were talking about you know having having a business partner or having someone who notices a change in your behavior do, do we have as much opportunity to notice changes in our colleagues when when we're working remotely Mm. I'm not sure that we do Mm. and I think we need to make sure that we create those opportunities to check in and and to have the opportunity to to notice and you know see if something yeah is not going so well yeah and for me that's that's the beauty of like working with your tribe you know the people that you choose to work with who are your people Mm. and I've certainly found through kind of being a business owner you get to choose who those people are compared to when you work for somebody else. You don't get to choose who your boss is or who your team are or who your customers are or any of that stuff. So there's there's certainly the highs and lows on both sides. Um, and again, it will be horses for courses. Wouldn't it? One thing will be more helpful for other people. The security of employment will be a lot less stressful than setting up your own business. So um, I think I think... It's, I wish everybody would just take 
a little bit of time out of their day to day lives just to, maybe it goes back to the check-in thing that you were talking about earlier like just check in how are you feeling right now and if there's stuff going on for you what's triggering that I just have a little reflection what could that be who can you talk to about it what coping strategies can you put in place is that medical GP referral is that Pilates on a Sunday morning that gives you half an hour out from the kids and and the family just to kind of chill for a bit so it's just finding your place in your people which I think really helps isn't it yeah I think it's it's about sort of having almost like a menu of of self-care options and everyone's going to choose the dishes or you know choose the the techniques or strategies that that work for them really Mm. But not burying it, not being the ostrich burying the head in the sand, because that only works for so long, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah. And I also think, um, like you were talking about sort of having that time for like introspection and checking in with yourself. Um, But I really, I think that's only part of the story. Like self-management is so important, but for me and and for a lot of my colleagues here at the mental health foundation it goes hand in hand with peer support Mm -hmm. you know we we need we we are social creatures and we need people around us like your tribe like you were saying we can't do all of the healing work completely on our own we do need people around us and to be part of a community sort of effort I think when it comes to our mental health and the right people you know because actually the wrong people could make it more toxic if we're not careful so you know, I think pe- people need to feel empowered that, that that's a choice that they make, can make as well. Um, sometimes we don't realise the choices that we do have, but that is definitely a choice that we've got in our life. Yeah. And I think psychoeducation courses, they are really empowering. I, I don't know if you found that yourself, but when you can kind of learn more about um, well, I'm saying like your mental illness, maybe you don't even have a mental illness, but if you can learn more about the way the mind works and risk factors protective factors and and just be really clued up I think that is really empowering for people to kind of take control and yeah just feel 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 more in control of their own mental health really yeah have the conversation that perhaps you never really felt comfortable having that conversation before but actually knowing that you, there's support out there and courses and other ways to get access to stuff that all work for you in different parts of your life with different people at different times and all of that is okay as well yeah and of course you know we're both learning professionals and and that's that's what I always think you know there's always more to learn it's not like anyone Mm. knows everything they no one's an expert on mental health Mm. um there's always more to learn there's always a different perspective to take so I I just think it's really healthy to to try and educate yourself and try and learn more um and for that to be a continual process I totally agree what a good conversation eh yeah <laughs> I think um I think it's getting to time to to wrap up now actually but um I've really enjoyed speaking with you um and you yeah absolutely have to stay in touch um actually my so I'm working on a course coming up that's that's about um like managing your mental health when you have a long-term physical condition so I would love to reach out to you and, and hear a bit more about your experience that would be absolutely. really awesome absolutely more than happy to like I said I'll oh, probably let it all hang out a little yeah. bit too much but it's all with the right intentions yeah so. absolutely. <laughs> good stuff thanks Rachel. all right we'll take care take care bye thank you bye we think this is a top episode and are sure that you will agree I love listening back to this one 
and I'd forgotten how insightful and informative that this conversation had been. Massive thanks to Erica and Rachel for their time in recording this episode. It was fabulous, and you'll find all their contact details, as well as links to the things that they mentioned, in the show notes. Next time, we've got a special two-part episode, and that's coming out next week on the 17th and 18th of October, and it's the menopause one, which we're really looking forward to. Please do make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast, and please do tell your friends. It really does help and make a difference. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Bye.